Welcome to another podcast land. You have set your dial once again to Combat Sports with Rhino. Episode 178. Holy smokes, ATP. Our guest a little later on going 10 rounds of Rhino. UFC welterweight. The slugger not Johnny Parsons. It is a great one. I can't wait till you guys hear that great uh, interview with him. He is an awesome dude. I really enjoyed watching him on Dana White Contender Series. I think he's going to be a really fun new addition to the welterweight division. So let's go ahead and get our intro and our schedule. We are going to have our full breakdown of UFC Vegas 74, our drop of the night, main card picks for UFC 289, some awesome Q&A with the Rhino gang, and then, of course, the aforementioned welterweight fight in July 22nd, the slugger not Johnny Parsons, the latest fighter to go 10 rounds with Rhino. So, APB, unlike we could last week, let's go ahead and get our swim chunks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in and break down a UFC. Yes, I'm so glad they're back. So, UFC Vegas 74 was a very strange card overall. I'm going to get my thoughts on this before we get into the breakdown. Uh, we, you and I were talking a little bit off air. There is a – there fights come around sometimes, fight nights, where, like, it, it's it's a lot of boring fights, and then you get this smattering of, like, phenomenal finishes. Some of them were in the boring fights, and they just had great finishes. And some of them were, like, just really, really fun overall fights. So this is one of those cards where, you know, three or four in a row would be like, ugh. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's this is one of the cards that I describe as where I get like three lady boners that I never come. And and the finale of this fight card just made me just I, I don't even know what it just made me explode in the total opposite way. Well, we're going to get into that one here in a little bit. Yeah, let's hold <laughs> off on that just for a few. So our first fight was Maxine Grishin and Felipe Lins. And again, this one was a ton of wall wrestling, a lot of cage control, not a very fun fight to watch. Um, Felipe Lin's got the UD in that one. Again, not a very exciting fight for our first one at 205. Our second fight I enjoyed very much because it was our lone Rhino gang fighter on the card, Damon, the monster, Blackshear versus Luan Lacerda. Uh, you know, basically, Luan Lacerda tried a, really, a couple of really nice um, submissions in the first round. Uh, DeMond was able to get out of them. And then the second, Luan rolled again for another leg lock. But DeMond kind of rolled around and started beating the shit out of him with a really hard ground and pound once he was able to kind of get his body in position to do so. Beat up Luan Lacerda bad in that second round. Got the TKO in the second for DeMond. DeMonster Blackshear, shout out and kudos to you, my man. We are fucking fully behind you. Great win last night, my dude. All right. Let's get it 115 pounds. We had Junyu Frey versus Elise Reed. Uh, again, not a very fun fight. Freya got a nice takedown and then just kind of laid on her for a while. There was a decent boxing exchange after that. Reed was quicker than Frey, particularly on the feet. When Jin was on top and holding her down, just not a lot happening, right? When they were on the feet, at least was landing a little bit more, landing a little bit quicker. Again, nothing super exciting in this fight at 115 pounds. At least Reed got the UD in that one. Moving into our next one, which, again, I don't have these in perfect order, fam. I'm just going to kind of go on the way I have them uh, written out. So then we've got Johnny Munoz Jr. versus Daniel Santos. Um, a really gnarly nut shot right away <laughs> for, for Munoz was like kind of put the uh, kind of put the kibosh on us getting a fun first round. You know, there was a lot of back and forth, but, uh, you know, there was, a, there was a lot of guard pulling by Munoz Jr. and Santos not wanting too much to do on the ground. Then, then you know, Munoz Jr., again, was pulling guard a ton of times throughout the fight. Santos at first wanted to get up, and then he's like, eh, if I'm on top, I may as well stay on for a while. And 
um, you know, this was kind of a dirty, kind of a gruddy, gritty is what I was trying to say, not gruddy, kind of a gritty back and forth, nothing major uh, besides the terrible nuts. <laughs> Unfortunately, we had to hear like Michael Bisbing and Laura Sanko and Brandon talk about the ramifications of nut shots far too much in this breakdown that they were doing during the time that um, Nunez was hurt. So eventually Santos got the UD in that one. And again, not a very exciting fight. And this one is going to bum the old Rhino out a little bit, fam. We've got our man, Andre Arlovsky, forever veteran. I think the only yeah. fighter on the roster who's older than I am. Um, I've been watching him for forever against Dante. Is he Elmer. the oldest fighter? Who's the oldest fighter? He is the oldest fighter on the roster okay. right now. It was um, it was Alexi Olenek, but they, right. they parted retired. ways a year ago. Oh, he didn't retire. Oh, he didn't? He, they, no, but he just fought. And again, don't quote me on where. He just fought overseas somewhere last mm-hmm. weekend, and he got starched. So mm. I'm hopeful. That, I think it was in Russia, but yeah, don't quote me. So yeah, so Andre Olofsky is the elder statesman of the UFC, and he looked good in the first round. Um, he had a couple of slip and rips. Uh, there were, he, he looked pretty good on his feet. He was moving. He was sticking to the body. Dante Almeida, you know, just kind of seemed to be trying to figure out how to counter Andre and kind of get it, cut him off from his movement. And then at the end of the first round, Dante Almeida threw a big elbow from standing and then a big punch that both seemed to kind of wobble Andre. And then in the second round, dude, an overhand right just crumpled Andre Arlovsky. A little bit of ground and pound to finish it off. TKO in the second for Dante Mays. And we got a question about Andre Arlovsky a little later on the show. So let's go ahead and into our next one, which is going to be Muin Gafarov versus John Castaneda. Uh, John stuffed the early takedown. Gafarov had a nice wheel kick that almost landed. That was fun. There was a lot of, um, a lot of kickboxing exchanges, a hard head kick. Then fucking lands for Castaneda, which dropped Gafarov, which was awesome. Like, holy shit, now he's going to get it. And I thought, okay, that's going to be it, but it wasn't. Uh, it was a pretty chaotic first round. A lot more in the second and third, dude. Wild throwing and missing. John finally got a takedown to kind of get Muin off of him. Um, then there was like the flying headbutt. <laughs> <laughs> which I saw some really funny gifts, including um, from like one of the Fast and Furious movies, which was like a, these flying headbutts was really funny. It, it, it was one of those deals where I didn't think he was so bad, but it did look like he was leading with his head. You see that a lot more in boxing yeah. than you do in the, in the UFC or in the MMA overall. But uh, he did get a point deduction for, uh, for Gafferoff for that head leading <laughs> exchange there in the third round. Again, more crazy forward pressure by Gafferoff and John trying to counter he got the late takedown, which I think kind of sealed the unanimous uh, decision for John Castaneda over Muin Gafarov at 135 pounds. All right, let's go ahead and get into our next fight, which was um, we're going to go with Jamie Malarkey versus, oh my gosh, Mohamed John Naimov. I think I did the one okay. Uh, Jamie Malarkey looked good early. He was landing a really crisp jab. Uh, it had some clinch work in there. There was an uppercut. And then, dude, <laughs> fucking... Um, Naimov at one point just fucking throws a beautiful shot, which knocks Jamie Malarkey down. He jumps on him right away, lands some really hard hammer fists before the ref was able to get in there. Uh, that was a, that was a KO, dude. He was out. Uh, he came back to it some point, but mu- I want to say his name correctly. Muhammad Ajan Naimov KOs Jamie Malarkey. What a beautiful finish. Great fight. 155 pounds. That was one of the ones I was like excited all the way through until it was over. So that was a good fight. All right, let's get into our next one, which is Abukar Nurmagomedov versus Elizu Zaleski. 
Dos Anjos, and they are really testing me with my pronunciation <laughs> this week, ABB. They are. I'm trying my best. You're doing great. <laughs> Thanks. You're doing way better than I would. So, uh, Nurmagomedov, obviously the cousin of legend Habib versus Dos Santos, which, again, this fight was, when it was up against the cage, you know, wall wrestling, Nurmagomedov was in charge. When it was apart, um, Dos Santos was landing better shots, and more often, it ended up being a split decision for Dos Santos over Nurmagomedov, but not a very exciting fight, not a very fun fight. But Twitter seemed to enjoy it because they love any time a uh, Nurmagomedov loses, apparently. <laughs> so I, got, I got, saw a lot of those tweets out there. So that was at 170 pounds. All right, let's get into our next one, which was, okay, 125 pounds, Kareem Silva versus Ketlin Souza. Dude, this, Ooh, one, this one didn't this take ended nasty. <laughs> nasty. Silva gets a takedown against the newcomer to the UFC, Ketlin Souza, and late replacement, by the way. Um Landed a really hard elbow, seemed to fall back. Just I mean, her technique was so pure and beautiful. Sits right back, falls into a heel hook, turns it. The fucking knee comes completely out. You could see it. We all, oh, yeah, saw you it. Did. We all had to see it. That knee came right out from Susan. She tapped. She has got some real damage. I mean, I'm, I'm no doctor. You're a lot closer to one than I am, but we can all tell. Yeah, she's going to have a long recovery. I really hope that she's okay from that because that was devastating. And, like, you know, it's different. I don't know. For me, joint manipulation, things like that, they they gross me out more than any sort of blood or cuts. Me too, me too. My, my boxing background or maybe whatever it is. Like, I've seen cuts where you can see someone's thoughts. That never like, bothers me, really. It never bugs me at all. I've seen noses that are covering eyes. That doesn't seem to bother me either. But it's elbows and knees and ankles and leg breaks. And they pop out of place yeah, and do and funky things. Like things. Like, oh, yes. God. Like your your b hole clenches and your t- you're just like oh god <laughs> turn away you know what I mean it's like ugh but yeah dude so that's really gnarly I hope Ketlin Souza gets the uh, time to you know recover and gets back uh, into in MMA and is able to continue her career moving forward big one for Kareem Silva in that one all right let's move into Tim Elliott Tim Elliott has been on a lot of people's um, thank God he won you know on, thank God. <laughs> He's been on a lot of people's, you know, what they've been talking about this past couple of weeks. There was there's a whole scandal with his marriage and his best friend and all that going on. And a lot of stuff online with him as well. So Tim Allen was able to get in there and do what he's supposed to do at 125 pounds. He goes in there against Victor Altamirano. And this ended up being a really fucking good fight. It Tim Allen is always so awkward and his weird angles. He had great takedowns. Um, his ground and pound, there wasn't really much that was landing doing super devastating stuff. I think a lot of that was Victor Osmariano's, his defense. But I'm telling you, this was a fun back and forth fight. Lots of good stuff on the feet. Lots of takedowns from Tim. And when Tim was on top, he wasn't doing anything super gnarly, but he was controlling and he was trying, right? So, you know, and then Victor came on late, had a couple of nice fucking shots, seemed to hurt Tim a couple of times. Um, And then Tim even said later in the interview that he did get hurt to the body, a few times he had some stomach issues going into it. And that's like one of the last things you want APB going into a fight. I remember having, I remember having the stomach flu like a week before a fight and I felt pretty good going in. As soon as I took a body shot, I was like, Oh, I'm not good. You know yeah. What I'm <laughs> like, you know, yeah, you don't want to Justine kiss yourself or anything. No, like that. And it wasn't even that. It wasn't like, I felt like I was going to shit myself or oh. up or anything. It was more like, um, everything inside was like extra sensitive. 
You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it just yeah. hurt a lot more to get to get body shots and like. <clears throat> so again, it, it was one of those deals where I was glad Tim was able to kind of put all the drama rama of the last few weeks aside, get in there and do what he does. Had a great performance against a very tough opponent in Victor Osbriano. Got the unanimous decision in that one. All right, let's go into our man Jim A. Ten Miller against very late replacement. This is my favorite fight. <laughs> and UFC newcomer Jesse Butler. I mean, what? Twenty seconds in. A straight left from Jim. Jesse's, you know, going down. Jim hits him with a crystal clear, crispy, clean, beautiful fucking uppercut, which puts Jesse down and out against the cage. I think it was 23 seconds, 25 seconds, whatever it was. First round, Jim A. 10 Miller gets the KO in the first round over Jesse Butler. Wow. You know, what are you going to say? The dude has just been around forever. He has um, conducted himself in the right way. He, it's so hard not to like Jim Miller, and I'm really glad that. Yeah, whoever doesn't like Jim Miller, I don't like them. I don't even. I don't. I don't want to know them. If you don't like Jim Miller, I don't want to know you. Kiss our ass. ass. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you if you don't love Jim Miller. (laughs) Um, But yeah, big win for him. We're all really hoping he could be the uh, only fighter ever to do the UFC 100, UFC 200, UFC 300. That'd be so cool. Um, We're getting close. You know what I mean? Yeah, we are. So we'll see. All right, then let's get into the best fight of the night, by far, in my opinion, from last night. The 145-pounders, um, Alex Caceres, Bruce Leroy versus Daniel Pineda. Holy fucking shit, dude. From the Literally from the jump. We all know Daniel Pineda is a much better fighter on the ground than he is on the feet. And Alex Caceres is really good everywhere. So right from the jump, um, Pineda shot for a, for a takedown. Alex Caceres was like, nope. We're going to hang out on the feet for a while, broski. And then Caceres just started hitting him with body shots, fucking hard jabs, one-two combinations. Um, when they did go down, there was a nice armbar attempt um, from Pineda, but Caceres was able to use his awesome jujitsu and get out of it, scrambled out of it. It was a fun first round. I'm like, well, there's no way that I can keep that pace up for the next round. But lo and behold, dude, Pineda tried several fucking hooks to get um, Caceres moved back into the cage to maybe slow down his movement or whatever. Nothing major landed, but it got his respect a little bit. And then, dude, Alex Caceres, again, got into that point where he was just in the pocket, lighting Daniel up with those body shots and those jabs. Pineda would have his moments. But then some beautiful scrambles again in the second round. Um, Pineda ended up on top and really won that round. So then you're going into round three with rounds one and one, and both guys really looking to get the victory. But Pineda was hurt to the body so bad from those accumulation of shots. Um, another couple hard shots delivered. He kind of keeled, you know, kind of cringed over and was holding on to his body. But then like, oh, fuck, this might be it. But nope. Danny Pineda kept us, showed us his toughness, kept fighting, kept boxing, kept trying to move forward and get takedowns. Caceres was just crispier he was landing cleaner shots he seemed to be in better shape um Caceres really got the got the better and particularly the second part of the third round so Alex Caceres gets a very clear cut UD two rounds to one over Dana Pineda but what a fight what a pace by both those guys I put this gif in last night on the timeline bra fucking vo that was just awesome APB what'd you think of that fight yeah it was spectacular yeah it was great I loved it all right so now we're going to go into our main <laughs> This is where I channel my rage, and I'm just going to warn everybody. I'm probably I'm going to cuss a lot. That's, I'm, why I'm, started, I'm, that's why I started laughing, because like <laughs> we talked off air about how mad you are. So our main event was Amir Albazi versus Kai Kara France out of City Kickboxing in New Zealand. Not much happening in the first round, right? They were kind of feeling each other out, kind of throwing some techniques. Not really Who did late. you think won that first round? Because that was the only one where I was like, I don't really know who won that one, because nothing really happened. 
Yeah, it, it really, you could have given either guy, I wouldn't care. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't even score. But who did you think? You didn't score it? Like, I oh, could. I didn't score who won because there just wasn't enough going on. I, you yeah. know what I mean? When it's like that, I'm like, I get disinterested. And I'm like, okay. ah, whatever, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> so we get in the next one. There's some really clean jabs from Kaikara France. They exchanged some really hard leg kicks. A short left hook um, for Amir Albazi seemed to stumble Kaikara France for a minute. But again, from that point on, there wasn't a ton of landing and there was a lot of little shots from Kai Kara France. So um yeah I think I probably gave the first round to Albazi, the second round to Kai Kara France. And then in the third round, the takedown for Amir Albazi is a scramble. He took his back close to a rear naked rear naked choke attempt. Kai Kara France is able to, you know, show his toughness and fight his way out. But then so I gave round three to Amir Albazi. Rounds four and rounds five, I gave both to Kai Kara France. Yeah, um, his, easily. His, he was landing far more frequently. Um, he was moving forward. He was creating more damage. I thought Kai Kara France, again, I gave him for sure the fourth and the fifth, and then probably the first, right? I gave Amir Albazi the second and the third, which means, to me, <laughs> it should have been Kai Kara France getting the unanimous decision in that one. The judges actually gave it to Amir Albazi, split decision. APB, what's your take on this fight? <laughs> Well, like I said, I couldn't decide who won the first round. I thought that Kai won the second round, but that one was close. So I thought that Kai won two, and he easily won four and five. And obviously, Albazi won three. But fucking Chris Lee gave Albazi round four. Like, how do you give him round four? I could see Kai winning round three, which he did not win, over Albazi winning round four because Kai did reverse the position in round three and land ground and pound at the end. Yeah. But I'm just so sick of these judges. It's every fucking week they do something crazy. And I'm just over it. I hope that they get diarrhea in public. I hope their houses get egged. I wish all bad things for them because fuck them. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You know how ABB feels about the decision from last night. Again, I think it was the wrong decision, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not uh, wishing anybody to have diarrhea in public. Well, uh, I am. But and congratulations <laughs> to Albazi. He fought a really hard fight, and I do like him. And uh, congratulations on his win. Absolutely. So, dude. Yeah, we could be upset about it, and you know, people love to say. We hear the same, you know, narrative over and over again. Well, don't leave it to the judges. You, oftentimes, you can't help it, right? I think they were well, both do. Yeah, and that's you know, whenever we pick our our fights, that's why I always pick uh, finishes because I don't ever want to leave it to the judges. Obviously, I don't think that you know nobody's going to ever go to decision, but I don't want that to ever happen because they're so shitty, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And again, and I, and I agree with people being like, you know, especially from a fighter perspective of no one's trying to leave it to the judges, right? That's not there. That's not anybody's like goal. You have to conversely look and I don't mean to play devil's advocate here, but you got to look at it like, did, did they both go balls to the wall for the first two rounds? No. Were they both putting themselves in dangerous positions to try to get the finish? No. So I'm not shit. I'm not shitting on either of their performance. What I'm saying is, I agree with you can't say don't leave it to the judges because they're all not trying to. But are you doing everything you possibly can for every moment of that fight to get the finish? That's all I'm saying. And it didn't yeah. look like. And in hindsight, they're not. But in a five round fight, you've also got to be careful with your. Of course. And that's a valid point. And I agree with that. I just don't think that point is is brought up enough during this yeah. discussion of. You're right. Well, I did everything I could. Well, did you? Yeah. There was, you know, there would be lulls of, of, of a minute or two where there'd be one strike thrown. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. And I don't just mean I don't just mean Kai Carl Franz and Amir Albazi. I'm saying when we see this a lot, that's what happens a lot of the times. Is you can look at a part of a round where there's two or three minutes goes by where nothing happens. Now again, are you trying to rest to get through five? Maybe, but you can't say, "Oh, I did everything I put could," and you know because you didn't. So <laughs> there, there's arguments to be made on both sides. I but again, I'm totally with everybody else that I think Kai Carl Franz. Should have won that fight last night, three to two, maybe four to one, right? But that's not the way it happened. You're right. We do have a, uh, we do have a question about this judging situation a little bit later on the show. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get into our drop of the night. I don't think we're going to have a, uh, a difference on this one. It's got no. Miller, obviously, thirty second KO. Um, what was the kid's name again? Uh, Jesse Butler know. over. <laughs> you go. I don't know. Over Jesse Butler, the very late replacement from Louisiana. Uh, but Jim Miller, A10, buddy, that was awesome. So you get our drop of the night for this week. All right, APB, let's go ahead and get into our main card picks for next week's massive UFC 289 from Vancouver, Canada. I'll go ahead and get us jump started. 170 pounds. I got Mike Malott beating Adam Fuggett. My TKO in the second round via um, knees to the body. Oh, nice. Position. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, they're in the plumb specific. position, knees to the body in the plumb position, um, up against the cage. TKO second for Mike Malat. What about you? Okay. I'm going to go with Malat with the rear naked choke in round one. All righty. Let's go ahead and 145 pounds. This one's going to be a fucking awesome fight. <clears throat> Excuse me. We've got Dan 50K Ige versus Nate Landaware. I got Dan Ige winning this firefight over Landaware by unanimous decision. What about you? This is going to be fight of the night already. I think we already know that. So these dudes, uh, nobody's going to lose in this fight because I think they're both going to get big paychecks. But I'm going to pick Ige to win by KO in round three. Excellent. All right. Moving at 185 pounds. We've got Rhino Gang member Eric Anders versus Marc-Andre Barriot. And I've got Eric Anders winning by TKO in the third round. That's TKO three for Eric Anders. What about you, APB? Well, I have Anders getting it done a little bit early with the TKO in round two. Excellent. Moving to 155 pounds, we've got Charles Dubronx Oliveira versus Benil Dariush. I've got Dubronx winning by submission via triangle choke round three. That's triangle choke round three for Dubronx Oliveira over Benil Dariush. What say you, APB? Nice. Well, I like both of these guys, and and I'm I'm cool whoever wins, but I, I kind of want Dariush to win because I think that he should get his title shot. I think that he's earned that, so I picked him with a guillotine choke in round two, but I will not be upset if Charles wins. If you literally correctly predict that Benil Dariush is not just going to beat, but submit Charles Oliveira. He got submitted I in his last you, fight. I want you, I'm just saying, I want you to pick my lottery numbers from henceforth, because <laughs> if that actually happens, you are, you are a prognosticator above all things. That would be awesome. So let's move into our title fight. we got a 135 pound belt on the line. we got the GOAT. Of women's MMA, Amanda Nunez versus Irina Aldana. I think this is going to be a very good fight. I look. It's going to be a good fight. It. I do too. Um, I think it's going to go the distance. I really do. So I've got uh, Amanda Nunez and still unanimous decision five, but I think it's going to be really close. What about you, APB? Well, I'm picking Aldana with the TKO by ground and pound in round four. I think she's going to beat the shit out of Amanda. And everybody's going to be surprised, like the last time Amanda lost. And there's going to be another Mexican champion. They're all going to be Mexican champions. So they wow, have gonna... to have a UFC in Mexico. Oh, well, for sure. They need to, the UFC needs to go back to Mexico. I think Arena Aldana um, 
I think she might have her time. I just don't think it's quite yet. I think Nunes has one or two top performances left in her. But again, I will not be shocked if Irina Aldana. She needs to watch the Kat Zingano fight on repeat and do what Kat did. That's <laughs> what she awesome. needs to do. <laughs> All right. So those are our make our picks for next week's UFC 289. Let's go to our Q&A. And our first one comes from our homie up in Canada way. The Rage of Sweet Potato, RSP. What do you got for us this week, dude? RSP says, is it just me or is there too much coaching from the referees these days? Tognoni constantly telling fighters not to grab the fence. Herb telling guys to watch nut shots. Mergliotta warning guys about extended fingers. The fighters know the rules and have been given a refresher in the locker room just a few hours before their fight. There are no other sports where the officials continuously remind the athletes of the rules. Should the refs just let the fight play out? and deduct points or call timeouts as necessary? Or do you think it's necessary for them to play an active role in the cage? He is right that no other sports give warnings like the they do. You're a thousand percent right. But in an, in a, conversely, though, in an NFL game, if somebody gets injured during a play, they get taken off to the side and the game continues. If you are have a fight and somebody gets injured or hurt or whatever off of a, let's just say, an eye poke, then the whole thing stops. So I see exactly... Um, and I absolutely understand what RSP is saying with the extra coaching from the refs, um, especially in mid-fight, dude. It's 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 tough to watch sometimes. I, I look at it from the perspective if they're not doing that, then what's going to happen is we will see an uptick in in fouls. So more eye pokes, more head clashes, more nut shots. And at the end, what happens for us as the fans is we're stuck sitting there for five, ten minutes waiting, watching. You know, there's a big lull. Everything, all the air kind of goes out of the stadium. It, it really lo- puts up like a big, you know, stoppage in the action, which sucks for everybody, including the fighters, because you're in the midst of a fight, dude. You want to keep going, and then you have to stop and wait, let someone's eye clear out, or you know, let them shake out their nuts from getting kicked, or whatever the case. Are we going to see more, you know, headbutts where you know, let's say a guy gets a really gnarly gash over their eye, and the fight gets stopped off of a head clash? I would rather say so. I don't like the coaching. I'm with you. I don't. I would rather see that happen and there not be as many head clashes as not many as eye pokes, not as many fucking whatever as far as that goes. Where I start to think a little bit more um, pissy about it is when you talk about like the really blatant fence grabs, the glove holding, late shots after the bell. That's given too much leeway in my opinion, dude. I would love to like have a more consistent – point takeaway situation right where if someone grabs a fence even one time no warnings no slapping their hand away you know what i mean take a point away dude and then then they have to lose the position because that fucker the fighter was trying to take them down and they held the fence to stay up put them on their fucking you know make them start on the ground and you know lose position so i want that more i want more you know i want more point deductions uh and you're right they are they are given a refresher beforehand and if you're at the ufc level dude you should know all the rules you should know what you're able to do and whatever you're not able to do. And then, yeah. So for most things, for things that can hurt people, I'm fine with more of the, you know, in-ring coaching and cage coaching. But for things like fence grabs and glove holding and after the bell shots, take the points away faster. That's kind of where I lie on this. So RSP, great question, my dude. All right. Let's get our next one. This comes from the Juicy Fruit Baby from Friendly Sparring Pod. Juice, what do you got for us this week, dude? Juice wants to know, what if teams slash gyms had theme songs? For example, what would City Kickboxing's theme song be? <laughs> ATT. Would love to hear your take on a few of these. 
Definitely, dude. So city kickboxing, for those of you who are have not heard, that's in New Zealand. And there is a song, and I hope I'm saying this correct, it's called Eo Eroa by Stan Walker and a few other artists. And it is such a beautiful song. If you see the video, it's really, it's these, music, it's these musical artists, these singers who are just singing about New Zealand and they're showing landscape and these beautiful shots of, of New Zealand and how, how incredible of a country it is with all its natural resources and its beauty. And it is just awesome. It's one of those deals where you're like, you feel like you're in a dream. Like it's such a beautiful song and it's all an homage to New Zealand itself. So yes, the song is called Ao. Oh man. Ao Eroa by Stan Walker. And I highly suggest everybody looks it up. It is beautiful. I would love that to be like the song that's associated with city kickboxing. I think it would be perfect. So you want to get an ATT in South Florida? Easy one. The Miami Vice theme song. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think the Miami Vice theme song would be awesome for all the ATT uh, fighters to come out to. As far as AKA, American Kickboxing Academy in San Jose, I've always kind of associated, a lot of other people do too, AKA is kind of your dude bro kind of gym. You know what I mean? Kind of your fucking man. We're going to spar hard five days a week. <laughs> you know? so, yeah, they are like that. Um, one of the, we picked one of the heaviest metal songs that I love, and it's called Raise Your Horns by Amon Amarath. And it's basically just super heavy metal. Just <laughs> <laughs> and I definitely think that would be apropos for an AKA fucking <laughs> song. For Jackson Wink, everybody you know who, who's kind of familiar with uh, Greg Jackson, he, he's very much known. I think he's known as Yoda, and he's very much like a philosophical kind of a guy and a very zen and a very like, oh, let's, you know, work our way through our chi and our karma and all that stuff. He's very much that. So in, in, in kind of an homage to him, everything's zen by Bush because everything is zen if you're over there with, AK, over with uh, Jackson Wink, dude. And then lastly, Elevation Fight Team is in Colorado. So, of course, you got to pick. Rocky Mountain High. <laughs> so definitely John Denver, Rocky Mountain High for Elevation Fight Team. So yes, dude, those are my five answers on that one, Juice. That was a great question, my dude. Thank you very much, Broski. All right, let's get into the homie, the big homie, Jim Asun, ROG. APB, get your voice warmed up because it's time for you to do your gym impression. Go ahead and get us after it. What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? <laughs> Rano and the Rano gang. Hope y'all are doing well. Not sure if this is in time, but how about Jim Miller? Who's next for him in Iron Man Journey? You kids know it's always 420. Peace. How about that Jim Miller, that 810, baby? So, yeah, dude, we're we're almost right. Okay, I got to look at it like this. Jim Miller, who we all love, and I'm giving him all the praise and all the, you know, the high marks that I can. He's still only ranked 47, okay, at Lightweight. So we can't start to get crazy and be like, oh, let's give him a contender or a top 15 guy. No, no. No. <laughs> okay. Let's have a fight that I think would be fan friendly, that would make sense rankings wise, and would be between two veterans who would put on a really good performance. And really, just a couple clicks ahead of him in the rankings is our man Christos Giagos, also coming off of a big win, also a veterans veteran. Jim Miller versus Christos Giagos would be a great fight. I think they're both super well rounded on the feet, on the ground, everywhere. So, yeah, dude, let's go Christos Giagos versus Jim Miller next. They're both not hurt. You know what I mean? They both won, you know, in their last fight. And so, yeah, the next couple of months, just put him in there and fucking let him get after it. And I think that'd be a great matchup. So that is my answer on that one. Big homie, Jim Sue. All right, let's get into our next write-in, which comes from my homie, the Doc. Doc, what do you got for us this week, my dude? 
Doc says, do you think we'll ever see John Jones versus Tyson Fury in any shape or form? No. <laughs> no. I know that Dana's just been talking about it recently. I know a lot of people are kind of clamoring about it. I know there's been um, shots fired on both guys' social media, both Fury and Jones. Dude, never in MMA. That's a, that's a for sure. John Jones would beat Tyson Fury in the first 30 seconds almost any which way he wanted to, okay? Barring some miracle punch that landed perfectly on John Jones. Tyson Fury would either get taken down, have his legs kicked out. Whatever John Jones wanted to do, he would do, okay? Tyson Fury's not going to put himself in a position to have that happen to him. Conversely, in a boxing match, John Jones gets fucking annihilated by Tyson Fury. He gets lit up in the first fucking round so bad that I assume if Tyson wanted to, he would knock him out in the first round or drag it out a little bit for a couple rounds, just beat him up kind of the way that uh, Floyd did for Connor when they fucking got mm-hmm. in there. But no, there's just no fucking way we'll ever see him in MMA. I would give it a one-tenth of one percent chance that we would ever see them in boxing. I just don't see it. <clears throat> John would want so much money, and then so would Tyson, and I just don't think that the – you know, the, the juice would be getting the squeeze, if you will. I don't think, you know, so I just don't see it happening, dude. That's my answer on that one. There's no point in getting further into it because that's really how I feel. I don't feel like, I feel like it's a moot point to talk about because it's never going to happen. So that is my answer on that one, Doc. Thank you very much, my dude. All right, let's get to our homie Brian from the Holman Sale. Holster, what do you got for us this week, my guy? Brian wants to know, was last night's loss to Dontel Mays the last time we're going to see Andre Orlovsky in the octagon. I hope not, dude. And here's here's the situation. He did he, he did lose last night. He got knocked out. Um, and that is that is two losses in a row, both by stoppage. It was what was who was it? Marcos Rogerio de Lima last time, right? That uh, he submitted him. But the previous four fights before that, he had all he had victories, right? So we, we, it's not like we're seeing him like Sam Alvey on some you know, six or seven fight losing yeah, streak, right? Like he won four in a row. And then he's lost his last two. So, and, he, and again, he looked good. I didn't think he looked bad last night. I mean, I thought he was moving well. His head movement was really good um, until it wasn't. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm all for seeing Andre Orlovsky go at least one more time. Put him in, you know, put him in with a veteran. Put him in with somebody who, you know, not somebody, you know, 14 years younger than him, who's three inches taller and heavier and a huge striker. You know what I'm saying? Put him in with someone like in a year Latifi. You know what I mean? Another veteran who's just kind of more. <laughs> yeah, he could be him for sure, especially yeah. when he looked in his last fight. Right, that's exactly why I brought him up was his last performance. Um, but even maybe some, you know, just somebody like that. Let him let him get a win or at least a really good performance um, where he doesn't get knocked out or submitted, and then let him ride off into the sunset. So yeah, I don't think we've seen the last of Andre Arlovsky. You know, a lot of us in the group chat were huge fans of his because we've been watching him for over twenty years. And uh, yeah, I hope he keeps on going. But again, don't put him in there with a killer. Put him in there with somebody that's a you know a more competitive fight, more on par with his level of where he's at now. So that is my answer on that one. Great question, Holster. Thank you very much, my dude. All right, let's get our last write-in, which comes from our homie Decrons. Decrons also up in Canada Way. What do you got for us this week, my dude? Decrons says UFC 289. Name a fight on the prelims that should be a banger, and if you could pick one lock on this card, which fight? And who takes it? Much love, gang. So I think Nasruddin Imavov versus Action Man Curtis is going to be a fucking bar burner, dude. I think that is no way around that fight being exciting for sure. The closest lock I have on the main card for me 
and I know this is going to surprise me. I think Dubronx beats Benil Dariush nine times out of ten. I really think you look at the skill set, you look at the resume. I've got Dubronx winning this fight for sure against Benil. Oh, I shouldn't say for sure, but nine out of ten against Benil Dariush. And again, I think Benil's a very good fighter. I just think Dubronx has the skill set to beat him and is going to beat him, you know, via submission for sure. And which is funny too because if you look at next week's card and APB and I were talking about this off with, they're the most Rhino Gang fighters ever. On a card, there are six Rhino Gang fighters, and I it's amazing. Make, I managed to make two picks, not using any of them because I'm trying not to show my Rhino Gang bias. That's okay; you can be biased. It's your show. I just you do whatever I'm you want. Not. So, yeah, Action Man Curtis versus Nasruddin Imovov, um, and then Do Bronx over Bill. Are you? Those are my those are my answers on that one. Decrons, thank you very much, buddy. Gang, gang, gang. Don't right. forget, I have a question. Okay, let's go ahead and get into yours before we get into our lone voice question from Ty the Flag. So, APB, what is your question for this week's okay, episode? I have two questions. Do you think there's corruption in judging? After seeing last night, I just really wonder that. I've, I've never wondered it too much before, but there's just so many bad judging lately. I don't really have any other explanations. And... Are judges drug tested? Do you know? And if they're not, they should be. So part two first, I I don't believe so. And I don't think that, um, I don't think that's ever been the case. I don't think the judges ever have gotten drug tested in combat sports. And what if they're just like doing lines before they go out there and sit for, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. They have to sit for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and then maybe by the end of the night, they're just like so trashed that they can't even see which fighters which. Is there some incredible theories that you have, APB? I, <laughs> I surely, I surely don't know. As far as um, part one, um, the the long story short is this. There are only so many judges that pass all of the criteria to get into the judging. That's first of all. Do I think that they are corrupt in that they are taking money from whomever to make certain people win? No, I don't. Because I think there's enough people, there's enough eyes on them. There's enough people who would look back into that. You're going to get caught eventually um, doing that. So I don't think there's in that way. I think it's far more you're just inept. I think people are inept at this. You just can't be that inept, though. It's something fishy. I don't know. I, I, I'm not telling you that, that, that you know that this is impossible. I just I, I really think that there are a few judges who have gotten through whatever, either through nepotism, either through getting kind of greasing their way through, or whatever it is, to become judges. It's always the same ones that are shitty, though. I mean, they're, they're inept. Like it's always Saudi Amato. It's always Chris Lee. <laughs> But when you look I mean, who at who else dude, is there, you know, it's know. like, wh- why are there certain ones that are, they're just always <laughs> wrong? If you look at them that way, you, you know that more people are asking that question. So their backgrounds are getting checked into. So that's why I think they're probably clean because something would have come up by now. If like they had gotten like a, you know, like a direct deposit of like a hundred thousand dollars after somebody got robbed the next day, you know what I mean? Whatever. I think that would have been, I think that would have been figured out by now. So again, I'm not leaning towards the corruption part. I'm really leaning towards, they just suck their jobs and they haven't been ousted yet, which they should <laughs> need to be fired. So that's yeah, Right. Exactly. So that sorry. I'm so are... aggressive on this episode too. <laughs> <laughs> Agro APB is awesome. And we will always take her. You have no, no reason to apologize. So let's go ahead and get into our voice question, which again, I don't know how Ty does this. Juice seems to know how. I, I don't, I don't know. But Ty is, is able to leave a voicemail where almost nobody else is able to. So Ty, what do you got for us this week, my dude? Hey, Rhino, it's Ty. 
I'm going to try and make this as short and sweet as possible. But let me begin by saying these judges have been absolute ass this year. Bullshit decision after bullshit decision. I am the firm believer that Kai Carfrance won that fight. And you can't tell me otherwise. Chris Lee scoring that fight for the fourth round for Albazi is absolutely ridiculous. So, to leave it short, how did you have that fight scored, Rhino? Because I can't be the only person that thinks that Kai Carfrance got absolutely robbed in that fight. I am absolutely livid. These judges need to be fixed. Dana White needs to do something about it. I don't know. How did you score it? Let me know what you think. I love the show. And of course, thank you for everything, Rhino. Peace. So yeah, like we talked about a little bit earlier, dude. I had it three to two for Kai Kara France. I was pretty sure he was gonna get the nod. I thought, okay, well, it was a really clear at least three of the rounds were really clearly to Kai. There was one up in the air, and then of course round three was a for Albazi. But you know, once you hear that split decision, you're like, Oh shit, we could have some drama around me here, and fucking sure enough, we did. I thought it was pretty clear cut. Um, three rounds of two, if not four to one. And of course, people everywhere were losing their, their minds on it. Um, of course, Lee, Sal Diamato, and there's others. They need to be held accountable. Um, and just like Izzy tweeted last night, there should be some sort of committee to like ask after their, you know, after a night of decisions, like, why'd you make that? Yeah, decision? they should have to go to the press conference <laughs> and explain right. themselves. Right. That might totally stop a lot fair. of that whenever yeah. they, you know, have to start answering for their shitty decisions. There are enough complaints and there are enough people who are pointing fingers at certain judges in, in, in particular where there should be some sort of accountability, some sort of way where they can explain why they made their decision, why they made it. And if they can't do that or they refuse, get them the fuck out of there. You don't get, you know, this job is a privilege, not a fucking right. So you should have some sort of way where you can explain why you made the decision. And if four or five or six or 10 or however many get to take where people are like, no, on the on the committee, I'm talking about, but like, no, that was the wrong decision. You get ousted from your position as a judge at the highest level of mixed martial arts. It, it would be an accountability that I think we would all look forward to. And again, I've been saying for years, it's not the perfect answer, but it's my answer is you need to have more former pro fighters and former high level pro coaches in judging positions because at least they've seen a lot of shit and they've got they would bring in a different perspective than these guys who have never fought before and who continually have poor judgments you know what i'm saying so yeah that's my answer on that one dude i appreciate you tie the fly guy my denver broncos loving homie all right that's gonna do it for our voice our lone voice question and our writing questions let's go ahead and get into our 10 rounds with ufc welterweight the slugger not johnny parsons after a quick word from our sponsor kr design hey rhino gang are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together maybe make it feel a little bit more homey how about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room. We'll look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, 
cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. Ah, oh, Fight Fan, we're so on our fantastic guest going 10 rounds with Rhino this week. UFC welterweight, the slugger not. Johnny Parsons is here tonight. Johnny, thank you so much for joining us tonight, sir. Thank you for having me. Dude, we are super stoked to have you on. There's a lot of fight energy in the air, right, my dude? Like, it's the new season of Tough Starts tonight. There's all kinds of fights coming up in the over the schedule for the next few weeks. We're all on fire, stoked, super ready to rock and roll. So basically, buddy, the first round with Rhino was always the same, and I never get tired of it. I love the origin stories, dude. How did you first get involved in this crazy, wacky world of MMA, my dude? Honestly, just kind of bored high school kid, backyard boxing with his friends after school and eventually kind of just like cross paths with someone who was training in a gym and, you know, eventually got my foot in through the door at the gym and just kept training and eventually had my first amateur fight. Before you know it, here we are now. <laughs> just yeah. Like, it's crazy like that, dude. Uh, the next fight for you is going to be July 22nd, UFC Fight Night London. <sighs> Every camp is different, buddy. You know, I was a pro fighter for a really long time, and every camp I usually try to focus on something else, you know, something to really sharpen up. Is there something you're really focusing on or a focal point of this camp, or is it really just I'm trying to level up everywhere? Yeah, you know, uh, sharp is a good word, and that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm just I'm just sharpening up, um, making my skills there. You know, uh, I'm more of a Muay Thai guy, so I'm always working on improving my wrestling so I can, you know – be a contender in the UFC. There's a lot of good wrestlers and, you know, my striking's high level, but I need to make sure that my, my ground game's on par as well. Absolutely. My dude. Now, speaking of that night, your, your opponent is English fighter, Danny Roberts. He's a veteran. We've all seen him fight uh, several times. Are you one of the kind of guys like I was who really like to watch film on, on their upcoming opponent? Or do you kind of leave that to the coaches and you're just kind of worried about what you're going to do in there? You know, I, I, I enjoy watching film. You know, I, I watch a lot of my own fights over and over and over. And, yeah. you know, I watch, uh, you know, I watch some film of my opponents just to get familiar, but I don't really take too much to heart. Same thing, you know, when some people are watching me, they think they can watch me, but it's going to be a whole different story when I'm in front of you. And, and that's the thing, too. Like, you know, I'll, I'll take some things from the videos, but you just... You never know what's going to be standing in front of you. And, and sometimes, you know, videos can make people look faster or slower and you just can't, you just can't take it in. It is always hard to get a really like accurate gauge on what you're going to walk into that night just from old film. So I, I'm glad you brought that up. You're absolutely right. Now, there are a whole new crop of UFC fighters coming off of the Dana White Contender Series process, which you are a part of. I know early on with it, there was a lot of guys who 
uh, came in and probably weren't ready for the bright lights. But in the last couple of years, bro, which again, you're a part of this crew, you've really seen some guys come right off DWCS and go in there and start getting victories right away in the UFC. Can you kind of like walk us through how your Dana White Contender Series um, situation and how that opportunity presented itself? Was it just you were just kind of going on your career as normal and you got to kind of call out of the blue or was there some talks before? Can you kind of let us know how that whole thing worked out? Man, it's been it's been a real rough, rough journey for me. Um, you know, uh, I kind of went pro on accident. Um in 2013, I was training out in Thailand, and I don't know. I think it's just the the culture out there. But just right away, they were asking me, like, "Hey, do you want to fight? You want to fight?" And uh, one of the fights I did was it was actually the first fight I did out there. It ended up being like an MMA fight um, against somebody who was already six and two um, as a pro, and kind of just jumped in there and and didn't think everything was just gonna like go to sure dog and just, you know what I mean? I wasn't even using my real last name while I was out there. I was just trying to get some experience, but, uh, I guess I took two, took a, a fight that was too high profile and it ended up being on sure dog. And then it's kind of just like, I just kind of was like stuck. I was like, all right, I guess I'm fighting pro. And it's just, uh, without any management, it's just a real tough scene. And, uh, as an amateur, I was fighting at 155 pounds. And then kind of as a pro, I was, I was this heavier and I was kind of, in this weird limbo, I was like, man, like, all right, like, I got to get my weight down so I can take a fight. But then it was just like, all right, I can just keep waiting on my weight or I could just fight heavier. So I just started, like, taking fights at, like, you know, 170 and, and 185. And, uh, you know, I had some gaps here and there. And then basically um, just being in, in, in Vegas and being at Syndicate, you know, I, 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 have, I have always kind of caught the eyes of like, you know, different managers and stuff. Cause like, like I'm the dude, like if someone needs a, a hard round, like, you know, since ever since it's like, all right, you need a hard round, go with Johnny, go with Johnny. So like, I think at one, you know, I've had some periods of time in my life where I was just the ultimate sparring partner, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and then eventually, you know, I started to get my stuff together and, you know, more people getting eyes on me and, you know, uh, started working with this guy who was an agent for uh, Iridium. And then he kind of just like just working with him personally. He got me a couple fights, kind of went on a win streak, and then uh, eventually signed with Iridium and and did one more fight before I got my opportunity uh, on Contender Series. And oh. that that, that kind of all happened within the course of a year. So I was kind of just like fighting on and off, and then you know got with management, and then boom, went on a you know four fight win streak, won my fight on Contender Series, and then got signed. Uh, it's great that you mentioned that you actually you actually set it up perfectly. So I'm going to skip number five and I'm going to go right to six just to piggyback up what you just said. So right now, dude, you're on a five-fight win streak, which is super impressive, dude. Obviously, the last one coming in a very tough decision over a very good fighter in Solomon Renfro. There's got to be a multitude of reasons as to why you feel like you're on this streak. But if you had to pinpoint like one or two of the biggest reasons why you've been able to rattle off five Ws in a row, what do you think they are? Oh man, um, I just wanted to just say, I, I guess it's just pure willpower. Okay, so I just, we're gonna I say just, just I just wanted it, you know. Yeah. yeah, I just 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 wanted it, you know. I, you know, I, I haven't always had the best discipline, um, you know, but I'm I'm the kind of person that you know rises to the occasion. So you, if you put me in the situation, you know, I'm gonna 
I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get better. Like the tougher that situation is, the, the better I'm going to be. Sure, dude. Sink or swim. You know what I mean? And yes, it's, sir. Uh, it's not, that's not something you can teach everybody. Sometimes you just got to have that in you and you clearly do. <laughs> so your, your fight coming up is out of the country. You know, it's over there in England and, and in many respects fighting out of the country, you know, it has, it has its issues. It has its um, drawbacks. It has its difficulties, right? There's a time difference. There's you're fighting a hometown fighter. There's all these things, but I prefer to look at the positives, right? You are going to have, uh, you know, your UFC debut. I know you already fought on Dana White contender series, but this is your UFC debut. You're going in there and everybody's just going to be fucking supporting you from home. It's, it's a really big deal to make it to the highest level. Um, have you thought about going like a week earlier or time earlier, kind of get acclimated to the new time? Um, I, I think I'll be all right. I think the UFC, you know, wants us there by Tuesday, the week of the fight. So I'll probably just get there Tuesday and, and, and do my thing. I, I don't really stress about it too much. And, and, and that's one of the things too. It's like before I got signed, I was kind of managing myself. So I was constantly throwing my name in. But, you know, just when you when you have some like one punch knockouts and like the hometown kid of whatever state you're trying to get a fight in, they they get to choose their opponent. Yeah, they get like they get like three or four names and they get to pick their opponent. So there, I can't even count how many times I like I tried to throw my name in the mix and I didn't get the fight. And I just think I have this one fight where like I knocked Shoney Carter out in 30 seconds and I just think people like. They just think, oh, he has that one punch knockout power. Like, I don't even want to take the chance, you know. So what's good is that before I went on my, you know, win streak, you know, I was kind of like 50% against all like really good guys with way more experience than me. So like I, I've, I've been through all those tough fights already against people with way more experience than me, the people that were supposed to beat me. And, you know, I came out on top, you know, 50% of the time. But uh you know, I, I'm I'm ready for any test. Like some of my best performances have been off a big layoff, so I'm not really a big believer in rust. Right. Well, dude, like I said, they, you showed in your last fight that you can fight anywhere: ground, feet, takedown, defense, forward pressure, inside clinch, Muay Thai. So I think you have a a phenomenal uh, matchup with Danny Roberts. I think it's gonna be a great fight. I think you have a great chance to win. Now, dude, here's a fun one that a lot of people either know the answer right away. Or they have to really think about it for a minute. So we'll see which category you fall into. If you were not a fighter, if fighter was not a, a possibility for a career, what do you think you'd be doing in a like in, instead? Like, what would be a career choice that you think you might be have right now? Oh man, uh, can I have more than one answer? Of course. Yeah, um, there was there was one year where I took. You know, I took two losses. It was a one loss in Muay Thai and one loss in MMA. And, and I had this buddy and he was like, hey, man, like, I'm going to show you how to install these alarms, you know, kind of like ADT, like, oh, sure, uh, type alarms or whatever. And he's like, yeah, dude, I, you know, I'm my own boss. You know, basically I make my own schedule. And he, he got me into it like for like a week. He trained me on how to install these alarms. <laughs> and after a week, you know, I was just pretty much in people's houses as a private contractor installing alarms. You know, I'd go to this warehouse and pick up my equipment. They'd send equipment to my house. There was like, you know what I mean? It's kind of just my own boss. Yeah. And, uh, just installing alarms. And uh, it was, I was making really good money. There were even, sometimes I'm make, making like $2,000 a week. Wow. Uh, and, and it felt good. But then there's just something about it. Like, 
being in people's houses and getting talked to like you're just this guy that installs the alarm and no one was ever like rude to me or anything, but just like, just kind of being in there knowing like, man, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. It it was definitely, it was, it was good money. It was definitely good money. And like, you know, if, if I was in a different spot, like I definitely wouldn't mind, you know, like if I just didn't have that will to just fight and compete, like I definitely wouldn't mind, installing alarms on my own schedule as my own boss and just making a bunch of money. I, uh, I wouldn't mind that. And I also oh, wouldn't mind awesome. being a freaking, uh, a pilot. When I was a kid, I always wanted to be a pilot, but you know, I just, uh, <laughs> wasn't ready off. to, I started fighting and you know what I mean? I just wasn't ready to give up my freedom for that. You know, sure. not that is all you, my man. I hate flying. I hate I hate heights. That is all you, my man. <laughs> so getting into our next one, my dude, we all have to have downtime. we got to find balance in our lives. we got to have time away from the cage, away from the training world, away from MMA and fighting. What are some things you like to do? And I know you don't get a ton of it, but what are some things you like to do in your downtime just to chill out and relax? I, I guess uh, I guess play a little bit of video games. As I've gotten older, like not nearly as much. But uh, I got three kids, so sometimes like I, I like to hop on the game with the kids. But uh, play a little yeah, Roblox it, it, or a little uh, Fortnite, or what do we got? Yeah, a little Fortnite, maybe some Call of Duty or something. Okay. But uh, yeah, I, I just chill out, play games with the kids. And what's crazy is that I do a lot of nothing. When I'm not doing nothing, I just kind of just sitting there, trying not <laughs> trying not to like scroll the phone too much. But a lot of times, yeah, I'm just kind of just chilling out. But, oh, uh, very cool. No, that's exactly what I like to do, too. I like it quiet, throw a podcast on, and I'll just fucking sit back and relax for a couple of hours. Dude. Yeah. That way for sure. Now, homie, one of the big, big problems, I shouldn't even say problems, one of the things we have to do that's hard in the professional fight games, you, you got to cut weight. It's what we all do. It's what you have to do. It has to be done for this, uh, for this profession that we chose. So it, we deprive ourselves of some of our favorite things. So put yourself in the mind frame of you're already done with the fight. The fight's over. You're out with your friends, your family, everybody. And it's really time to throw down on some grub that you haven't been able to eat for a few weeks. What do you want to get and where do you want to get it from, my guy? Ooh, man, mozzarella sticks from anywhere. Ooh. And I'm not going to dip them in ran- uh, marinara. I'm going to dip it in ranch. That's perfect. That's fucking perfect. <laughs> Fried, fatty, cheesy with ranch. That's a Midwestern thing, bro. I'm telling you, that's what we. I love. So I, I do the double dunk. I do a little bit in the marinara and a little bit in the ranch. That's kind of how I rock. Maybe I gotta try that. I gotta try yeah, that. That actually sounds good. Super good. And I like, I like the, I like the mozzarella sticks that like the bars usually like like bar places usually have the kind of style where they're like a little bit thicker and. Yeah. Yeah, I like the bar style mozzarella sticks. They almost look like uh, they almost look like 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 fish fingers. You know what I mean? Like they're they're long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. You're 100 percent right, dude. You get the awesome cheese pull. You get the good crunchification, dude. I am totally on board with you, Johnny. Now, Johnny, that careens our way into the tenth round of the round, which is the easiest round of them all. Just share your social medias with this dude, so me, my friends, everybody, the Rhino Gang, we can all follow you along in your career moving forward we can all get on that support for the slugger not train for your july fight and after so just share your social medias with us dude um man my my twitter got hacked somehow but uh i'm on ig um jaw knee parsons when i was out in thailand 
um, the ties, you know, they would they wouldn't say my name like Johnny. They would always say it like they'd really enunciate the oh Johnny, oh, Johnny. Okay. So I was like, it made me think. I was like, oh, it almost sounds like they're saying like a jaw and a knee. Yeah. So I spell it like that, J A W K N E E. So yeah, on, on IG Johnny Parsons, um, got a lot of cool content. Uh, uh you know, of me training and then uh, also a lot of me coaching. Yeah, absolutely. I got, a, I got a solid team of amateur fighters, and yeah, they're they're rad. No, absolutely, dude. It is great content. That's the kind that I love to follow on fighters. Is I want to see the training, I want to see the coaching, I want to see the technique stuff. I love all that. And your your page has it top to bottom, dude, and it's awesome. So, Johnny, dude, we are super stoked. We really appreciate you taking the time out today. We know how busy the pre-fight schedule is. So, dude, this was just awesome. Thank you for taking the time out. And best of luck and best of skill. July 22nd, UFC Fight Night London, dude. We're all going to be pulling for you, my friend. Yes, sir. Thank you. I'm the Sluggernaut, Johnny Parsons, and I just went 10 rounds with the Rhino. Johnny, thank you so much, dude. We can't wait to watch you fight in July over there in England. It's going to be so awesome. So thank you for taking the time again, my dude. All right, let's get into our shots and our outro to our forum contributors, to the Rage of Sweet Potato, to the big homie Jim Assoon, to Doc, to the Juicy Fruit Bama from Friendly Sparring Pod, to Brian from the Home and Sale, to our voice question asker, Ty the Fly Guy, who must be some sort of tech genius who's able to get in there to do that, uh, D. Kranz, of course, to Brat. Miss Fight Diva. Oh, happy birthday too, Brad. We love you. To Miss Fight Diva. To Jamal. To Ashley the MMA nerd. To Sanga. Mike Morgan. Steffi, Shannon, and Gina from the PRG. Hunter and Dylan from 24-7 FC. Our girl Tempting Tori. The homie Kairos. To Esha. And again, Esha, what a piece of art for Jim and his family. Yeah, that wow. was beautiful. I'm so it glad that they did so that. It was so beautiful. You did such an amazing job. And everybody else who helped with that, just what... What a beautiful sentiment to show somebody in this community that would, would shits on each other so much that we are actually have some feelings and we do actually care about some others. And what a beautiful job. What an amazing piece. Shout out, shout out, shout out to you, my friend. To, of course, to Jillian, Katie, Chrissy, Monica, and Jason, my underdog MMA peeps, to the filthy casual, to Mark, Fabian, of course, the homie Ty, Tom and Sandy, all my dudes over there in the LFA. I, dude, the, the LFA in Brazil last week was really good. I can't wait for the, the LFA. That's really hot events coming up. And I'm really stoked on it. Um, of course, to my beloved Rhino Gang GC, you guys are all, all the best. To the future player, Drea. To D Reigns, the best engineer in the biz. To J at JMMA4 on Twitter and at JMMA on YouTube. Another fantastic uh, poster this week, dude, showing off your amazing graphic design skills. We appreciate you so much, my dude. I know that things are getting hot out there for a lot of us. It's real hot here in Michigan. I'm, I'm sure it's hot in uh, in Arkansas where APB is. But yeah, man, try to. Uh, too hot. It's too hot. So when you can't stay in the air conditioning, stay by a fan. Make sure you're hydrating. As we love to say around here, love is greater than hate. And we will see you next week. Kate Sun!